Welcome to the Redeem Evangelical Mission Tram Atlanta. This is a place where we gather together in quality praise and worship of the true and living God. Equipped with the world of God for growth and fellowship with one another. God bless you as you listen to this message. Jesus has been exalted. Lift up your hands and just bless his holy name. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of thanksgiving. If you know that you're excited, give God some clap. Hallelujah. 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 Good morning, church. You can have your seats very, very briefly as I sort of lay foundation in this time of prayers. Before I go on, I'd like to just honor our guests. God bless you, Saz and Ma, for taking out the time to be here today. I want to honor our College of Bishops. I want to honor our district pastor. I want to honor all our zonal pastors, area pastors, and branch pastors. Can we say a good God bless you to them? And please, hallelujah, can we clap? Nothing's wrong with our hands. But I also want to honor, and this is very important for me, my own pastor, because I'm in the headquarters church. Can we give a good God bless you to our big mommy? Mommy, I love you. And I know you're praying for me right now as I pray. Hallelujah. We also honor our father, the presiding bishop. Daddy, we thank you. I know you are watching. We honor you, sir, in absentia. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to pray, and I would really indulge us that we pray because the prayer topic in front of me is for us as pastors as leaders i do know that we have general overseers here we have apostolic graces here but this time of prayer is deeply introspective so as we pray i want us to understand the necessity of this prayer can somebody say amen my prayer session is going to be broken into three parts. The first point, um, prayer point is really a question. And the question is, are we a lead over your house? Are you the lead over your house? Are you the lead over your house? I'm going to be praying along those lines. I'd like us to open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Read verse verses 1 to 4 i would read in the message translation and very popular scripture and in the message translation it says this it's i read the first two verses but you know how message lumps everything up it says don't imagine us as leaders to be something we aren't says that we are servants of christ not his masters note what he says here he now says that we are guides into God's divine secrets. Please, can you put it in the King James Version? In the King James Version, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. In the King James Version, 1 Corinthians chapter... Is it possible? 1 Corinthians chapter... All right, yes. So it says that, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, Let a man show account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So we are custodians of revelation. We are custodians of God's word. 
So it means that based on the calling of God upon our lives, there are requirements and certain disciplines that we must employ to consistently generate sustainable results. It's also important to note that when you read through the scriptures, we understand that the growth of a place, the growth of a house is domiciled on the leader. When you go through the whole book of Kings, you know, the Bible in our English version of the Bible, it says the book of Kings. But in the Jewish Bible, it uses the word the kingdom of Israel. And the reason why it uses the kingdom of Israel is because in the concept of kingdom in, in the eyes of the Jew is not of um, realm or territory. It is about reign. So when you read the book of Kings, you would notice that everything is about this king. What this king did and these are the outcomes. You will note that the kingdom of Israel had been broken into two. So we had the north of ten tribes and the southern tribes. I want you to note that if you look through the scriptures, you will note that the growth of that particular um, 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 part of the world, whether the northern tribe or the southern tribe, was dependent on the leader. No wonder John Maxwell said everything rises and falls on the leader. Note that everything that was good was because they followed a pattern. So the tribes of the north, of the south, which is Judah, a small tribe of Benjamin, what you notice is that they followed after a man called David. So anytime the Bible says that these people did something good, it's because they followed David. When you look at the other side of the north, you will notice that everything that they did bad was because they followed Jeroboam. The strength and growth of any house or any ministry is dependent on the leadership ability of the person that is ruling and reigning. The strength. So the question now is that if the growth, if there is no tangible growth in our different churches, the question therefore would be, are you the lead? Can you ask yourself, are you the lead? Say it again, are you the lead? Hallelujah. Final scripture and we pray. Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10. Before we go to Leviticus chapter 10, sorry. We can, I want us to read a prayer point. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 8. And I want you to see this man called Solomon and his prayer, which will be the basis of our prayers this morning. And this is him being called. So in the King James Version of 1 Kings chapter 3, starting from verse 8 to verse 9, note the words that Solomon utters. He says, And thy servant in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for a multitude. Verse 9. It says, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge. The word judge there is the word governance, which means to follow the standard, the framework. The framework right now is David. That will enable you execute to generate consistent results. That thy, thy people, that I may descend. The word descend there means the ability for me to understand my role in this kingdom. 
my role with regards to the ministry as a custodian of this mystery between good and bad. For who is able to judge this die so great a people? But look at Leviticus chapter 10, verse 10, very quickly. And it says that Anadab, or Nadab, and Abi, please, in the New King James Version, very quickly. It says, Anadab and Abiyu, the sons of Aaron, took his censer and put fire in it and put incense on it and offered in the New King James. They used a word, used the word profane, profane fire. The word profane that is stated there means unauthorized. It means, um, it means one that is done outside the parameters. So what are these principles? Very quickly. Number one, people of God, there is a protocol, an order of service of any house, using trem as a standard. There is a protocol. It is faithfulness to that protocol that guarantees growth. Consider Hebrews chapter 3 concerning a man called Moses as they had the, the conversation was between him and Christ. I said, know that even though he was not the owner of the house, but he was a faithful custodian of this ministry, of this ministry. Thereby, the growth of Israel was as a consequence of this man called Moses. Number two, there is an understanding of the core. That is, if you're a branch pastor, it's important that you know that you have been called, but you're not a GO. But you have been called under a parameter. For us, there is a parameter that guides us in trend. The children of Israel, the kings of the south, they were able to prosper. Not all of them. They were able to prosper because they followed a pattern. The pattern of David. So, this man called Solomon, he understood his call. He said, God, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern within the parameters and judge and know exactly the things that I ought to do. Number three, there is an alignment to doctrinal ethos. The word ethos means the characteristic spirit, the culture of the ministry, i.e. trend. And the last one for me is important. A healthy conscious appreciation for the fear of God. People of God, as custodians, there has to be a fear of God. I want us to stand up and I want us to pray concerning yourself that God, in the name of Jesus, like never before, I am not a lead. In the name of Jesus, Father, in the I follow constituted pattern. I follow the protocol of the house in the name of Jesus. I understand my call. I align myself to doctrinal ethos in the name of Jesus. Hey, I have the fear of God concerning the assignment that has been placed in my hands in the name of Jesus. Every constituted lead that I have placed upon my ministry, I remove in the name of Jesus. I walk in this pattern. In the name of Jesus, he kapata rababa, he kosheke te kapara karaba, he kasoko tereba, he kaposhe kapara baba, kato soko paraba kapa, he kasoto reba makashita, he kapara kosotereba, he kasoko tereba. In Jesus' name, nada banabiu they offered profane fire.
They offered a fire that was not authorized. In other words, time will not permit to explain the art of the apocary. It's, it's a delicate process. There, there is a defined protocol. So in other words, it's important that the sons of Levi, each priest understood the role. The priest that operates in the outer court is different from the priest that operates in the inner court. Why? Because the protocols are different. Even though you're supposed to offer fire, each protocol is different. I want us to pray. For those of us who are branch pastors, it's important for us to understand that, listen, God, my calling upon my life, I have deeper clarity of what I ought to do whilst I am in tremor. In the name of Jesus, I will not offer profane fire. In Jesus' name. Listen, you may not understand what I'm trying to say. Ezekiel 44, when you read the story, there's no time to speak about the souls of Zadok. The Bible says that you priest, even though there is a calling of God upon your life, it says you priest, you can do the things in the outer court. You can do the work, do ministry, but you're not bringing honor to me. It says only the sons of Zadok. Why? Because these individuals, they understood the order. They understood their calling. They understood the requirements that is needed within these parameters. And the Bible says only Zadok can come to me. Note, we can do church. We can play church. But does it bring glory to God? We can carry the title. We can say we are pastors. We can put any form of affiliation. But guess what? Does it honor God? Because at the end of the day, the work of ministry is to honor him before the people. Can you begin to pray concerning yourself, specifically for us as branch pastors, that we align in the name of Jesus. There is clarity. I will not offer profane fire. Hey, unrestricted, unauthorized. Hey, the word prophet from the Latin word it means outside the camp outside the parameters I, I will go in the order in the doctrinal ethos that is the spirit the culture the characteristic nature of the redeemed evangelical mission Oh, begin to pray for yourself. Hey, Solomon said, Lord, I want to be able to discern so that I can do ministry right. I want to be able to discern because there is a lot. I should understand that I am a custodian of this mystery. I am a custodian of the framework that has been handed over to a man called David. I am a custodian. I will not offer any profane fire. Hey, Kapate Baba. Hey, Keshekah. 
makatereba heka patokoreba ba heke tereba heka shekete mosokotereba ba heka pataka paraba ba heka paterebosha makaparaba okosote kaparaba ba heka taraba heposheka mande kaparaba rebosha makataraba ba mokoshekaraba in jesus name the four things that characterize the things I just mentioned earlier on concerning this profane fire. I talked about the protocol. I want to mention again, just to repeat it, that there was an alignment. There is a need to align to doctrinal ethos. For us in this ministry, if I'm going to summarize, it's Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. He now says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus. This is who we are, to testify about the gospel of the grace of God. That is our doctrinal ethos, to speak about God's grace. Now guess what? If it is a doctrinal ethos, the word ethos means the spirit and characteristic, which means that our behavior must align with what we say. Our behavior, our conduct, that is when we say we're talking about grace and we're teaching about grace, our lifestyle must exhibit grace. Listen, we heard what Bishop and, and Dr. Mesa Otabil was talking about love, about the two dimensions of love, of, of giving and forgiving. That is what grace is all about. The Greek word for grace, of forgiving in Ephesians, the Colossians to the one, verse 12, that says that we'll be forgiven of all our trespasses. It means to forgive give out of grace it is a lifestyle can we begin to pray that I as a pastor in this ministry I, I will follow and align myself my behavior my behavior my behavior the reason why the kingdoms of the south the reason why they grew the reason why they had economic might was because they followed the pattern of David the Bible says they did what was right as their father David did they did what what was right hey, we will not follow another pattern in the name of Jesus my lifestyle my thinking my thoughts in the name of Jesus will testify about this gospel of the grace of God in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus are you a lead? Kosho kaparaba. Hey, sukureba. Hey, keshe kata. Oh, people of God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let me, for the, we're pastors so we can talk. Read the whole book of Kings. I'll share with one of our PK. I'll be going through the book of Kings. And for me to understand principles, think about it. Those who followed pattern, constituted pattern, time will not permit me. If you read, Holy Ghost, help me now. First Chronicles chapter 20, look at verse 19. 
Look at what David said concerning Solomon. He says, all this said David, the Lord made me to understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. All that Solomon did was just to lay on the pattern. There was nothing that he did. How many of you know that throughout Solomon's time there was peace? 40 years of peace. Why? Because he followed after David. Note all the kings of the south. All of them outlived the kings. Now look at, for you, because of Bible study, First Corinthians, First Kings chapter 15, down to First Kings chapter 16. Note, King Asa, who was a grandson of David, was king in Judah. Look at the number of kings in Israel who followed after the pattern of Jeroboam. Number one was Nadab. He lived for two years. Basha, he did his own for 24 years. Ella, he did all in two years. Zimri, he did his own for seven days. Omri, did his own for 12 years. Ahab, 22 years. Why Asa ruled for 41 years? Why? When you follow constituted pattern that the Holy Spirit has given, there's always going to be progress. Moses was faithful even in his own house. He was faithful. Everything that he was instructed, he did. But guess one of the key parameters. Why Nadab and Abihu messed up? Why they gave? is because there is no healthy appreciation for the fear of God. The fear of God is not being frightful. It's not being frightful. The word, if you check it, the Hebrew is in the feminine, which gives a softer understanding in the now, which means that it means to, to, to appreciate God in holy reverence. It means the posture of the person in fearing God is his delight. First, Isaiah chapter 11. Let's look at verse 4. Isaiah chapter 11. Let's look at verse 4. Kaparaba. Ekasharaba kapa. Verse 3, written in Amplified Classic. Kaparaba. Look at what he says. He says, in the Amplified Classic, he says, I shall make him of quick understanding. I says, his delight shall be in the reverential, obedient fear. Guess what? His delight. A translation says, a delight and joy. Men of God, do you have a fear of God? A fear of God is a respect for the calling that God has called you in this ministry. A fear of God is an honoring of the pattern as a custodian in trem, as a branch pastor that God has given you. If our branches are not growing, could it be, I'm not saying it is, is that we are offering profane fire. I want you to ask yourself right now and pray the Holy Ghost, I will not offer profane fire. I walk in the fear of the Lord. It is my joy. It is my delight. It's a devotion towards him. The sons of Zadok, the Bible says that they honored him even in a foreign land. And God said to them in Ezekiel chapter 44 from verse 15, he says, you are the ones that must minister to me. Oh, can we pray? Moko sheka, he kata can hear your voice. He karaboto sheka parababa. Ma 
Rasokote kaparaba, he kataraba, he sokotore kaposhe kapa, mande kapasoko parababa, he katore boko seka mande rebaba, he kasoko rebaba, he poshe karaba. Father Lord, we thank you. In the name of Jesus. Isn't it interesting we see patterns in the Bible? We see that Elisha, all through this while, he served and followed biblical pattern. He was not called, he didn't hear, he saw the power demonstrated. He saw prophecy fulfilled. He saw all of the peas. But when it came down to it, it was about the person. Have you followed? No, Paul says that we should follow him as he follows Christ. And he would ask a man called Elijah. And Elijah said, what do you want now? Okay, what do you want? He says, I want double portion of your spirit. He says that if you see me, pastors, for those of us in this house, do we see the presiding bishop? The word Abisaiah is the presupposition in his name that he considers his father as a gift. He says, Father has gift, that's his name. It's a presupposition. And he says that, listen, you are that light. You are the light of Israel. You are the pattern. But guess what? It is out of that light they saw light. Abishai became a mighty man because he followed pattern. Father, in the name of Jesus, we will not be derailed. We will not be derailed. The reason why I'm saying this is that every, the kingdoms of Israel, their reign, in Judah succeeded because they followed pattern. Can somebody say amen? amen? Second prayer point very quickly is that are you growing personally? Tundi, are you growing? As your zeal of the house, as it waned, are we growing personally? Research was carried out. It was by a man called Robert Richard Lyder. And he called it the rust out syndrome. I'll quickly read it. He says, you can avoid the slow death that follows when people stop learning and growing. He said, this subtle killer, it creeps up on victims and overtakes them, exhausting their energy and crippling their spirit. He says, this insidious force is more prevalent than heart disease, cancer, or alcoholism. Yet few people even know it by name. He says, we call it rust out. Let me now define what rust out is. He says, rust out is the slow death that follows when we stop making choices that keep life alive. Rust out means that we're no longer growing. At best, we're simply maintaining. Are you maintaining? Are you there in a, your location and you are maintaining? You are a lead. To maintain means it's just to accept it. To play church. When last did you spend time to do your own study? How many of you know that as a result of the law of use, all of us can pick up a scripture and come up with a sermon? When last did you sit down to come up with sermons that would enrich, empower, enable the people? When last did you spend time to pray and push up people in the place of prayer? When last did you grow and expand the frontiers of your mind? This research says that you're rusting out. It said rust out is the opposite of burnout. It said burnout is overdoing. But rust out is under being. That you're no longer living. I want us to pray that I will not rust out. The word rust out means that you're no longer relevant. Ah, I, I will not rust out. Listen to this. How many of us note that when David came up with the tabernacle of David, 
He put Zadok in the old tabernacle and put another priest in the tabernacle of Zadok, in the tabernacle of David. But when he came down to it in the future temple that will be built, Ezekiel chapter 44, it was the sons of Zadok that God, because there was something that they knew. They consistently were growing. They were following after him. Are we following after God? Can we pray that will not rust out? When last did you study your Bible for yourself? Baba will always tell us that we don't read our Bible to preach. We read our Bible to be fed. Can we begin to pray? When do we do things subtly to manipulate? What are those things? In the name of Jesus. Lord, I refuse to be docile. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I walk after you. I follow hard after you in the place of prayer, in my Bible study for me. In the name of Jesus, I grow my spirit, man. I mature. I deepen my knowledge of God's word. I have epignosis and accurate understanding of scripture. I keep studying, consistently making myself approved. I am diligent in the place of study. Oh, I am tilling my own field. My focus is not deterred. I am tilling my own field because I have understanding. I am not following vain men. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Finally, to our pastors, are you tired? Burnout is real. Note what Paul said, NIV, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. Remember, we're custodians. We're custodians. We do not lose heart. For any pastor whose heart is heavy, you have done everything. Our prayers that you will not lose heart. Can you hold a pastor's hand beside you anywhere? Just hold that person's heart. Hand. I say you will not lose heart. There's so much building project here. Lives of the people. You are faithful. You're faithful. God is encouraging us that you will not lose hearts. Please, can you open the message translation for me? Psalm 116, quickly. Psalm 116. And let's go to verse 7. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want us to read this scripture and I'm done. It says, I said to myself, relax and rest. God has showered you with blessings. Can somebody say amen? amen. Remember, you're a custodian. The reason why you're a custodian is, is that God can trust you. Verse 8. Verse 8. It says, now, this is to you now. So, you have been rescued from death. I command that nothing would die in your hands. He says, I, you have been rescued from tears. Anything that has caused you to weep in the midnight hour ceases now. 
He says, and your foot will be kept from stumbling. You will not stumble. You will not offer profane fire in the name of Jesus. Can we celebrate Jesus? Hallelujah. I like to stand on Father T's passion. And I stand on the existing protocol. But let's celebrate our mother in the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you celebrate our mother in the Lord? Hallelujah. Big mommy, we love you. We celebrate you. And let's celebrate our father. Hallelujah. The patriarch of Trem. Amen. Okay. Father T talked about following pardon, so let me follow pardon. Sit down for five minutes. That is the pardon. And can I speak to, he ended by extending his heart to pastors who feel born out. I don't think you can be a pastor in trem and born out. What is your problem? Jesus said in John 15, he said, I am divine my father is a husband man and every branch. What is my business? In Trem, Bishop Mike is divine. Jesus is the husband man. I'm a branch. All I need to do is to rest on the vine and produce the fruit. So if you've been born out, maybe you are doing the work of the vine instead of doing the work of the branch. There is no need to burn out. It's not your business the last time I checked. I only manifest what God has promised my father. I don't do much. Hallelujah. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just trying to encourage you. In case you want to kill yourself for what Christ has died for, don't. Amen. Enjoy life. Okay. My prayer this morning is for Trem as a ministry, but also my focus will be on our global positioning. I don't, have, I don't know how to es, es, explain that in plain English, but it's just global positioning. We're not, we're not um, local champions. You, you would have heard Big Daddy say over and on, we will play in the big league. We have to play in the big league. Hallelujah. Now, and... Um, you, we must understand what is happening. I don't know if any of us understand. You see, when Philip saw the Ethiopian eunuch reading the Bible, one of the things he asked him is, do you understand what thou readest? Because understanding is key for manifestation. Don't engage until you have understanding. Do you understand what is actually happening now in the trim world? Do you understand what we're doing? All those things we're doing, all of a sudden we come to kingdom life and our final Lord say we're going to spend one hour in prayer. Do you understand what we're doing? Is it you just think we came to pray? I don't think so. I do not think so. The Bible says in Genesis 22 verse 4, it says, Abraham looked up and saw the place from afar. And in verse 5, he said to the servant, he says, stay here and I will take the lad there. I believe in my heart there is something our father has seen and he's taking us there. 
that's what I believe and that is what this is all about if you've been following every first week of the month there is prayer every morning in Trem headquarters I don't know if you follow you see that there is something our father is systematically bringing in because of what he has seen in verse 7 of Genesis 22 Isaac understood what the father has seen he said daddy I see the wood I see the fire where is the lamb if we do not understand what our father has seen, these things will just be, it will just be, we'll just be praying. We we'll say we went to pray. No, we must have understanding. Hallelujah. As a ministry. So my prayer this morning is going to geared, be geared on understanding seasons. Understanding seasons and placement as well. Understanding placement. I beg of you, I do not believe that God is more in VI than he is in Onikorobo. I don't believe it. If there is God in VI, the way he is in VI is the way he is in Onikorobo. The problem is the person in VI and the person in Onikorobo determine the God they see. You can succeed anywhere. You can't. Don't say because he's just talking because he is in Europe. If you come there, if you fail in Lagos, you will fail in Europe. You think it's easy. When we got there, they told us that 35 membership is a, global, is, is a mega church. If you believe that, you'll be pastoring 35 people and you think you're pastoring a mega church. No, we say we pastor nation, not city. I don't pastor, I don't have a branch. I, the entire nation is my branch. I'm not being sarcastic. I know what I'm talking about. There are testimonies I will share with you. You will hate me because you think it's a lie. Amen. At the age of 30, I'm standing here to say this. You can make impact globally. Stop making noise. I stand there and I say this. Maybe you will not hear me anymore. If you stay around me and you talk too much, you find out I don't stay. I, I just, you, I, I forget you. Because I don't like people who just talk. Don't tell me what you can do. Show me. At the age of 30, the strength of Israel carried me on the newspaper that I cannot read. Somebody had to translate it for me. At the age of 30, a Jewish nation. I was on their national radio for one week. There were no internet. There were no social media. There were no Facebook then. Success is not a mistake, it's intentional. No, it's intentional. Because Proverbs 4 verse 18 says that the path of a joss is the like a shining light that shineth brighter and brighter unto a perfect day. Your yesterday cannot be greater than your tomorrow. It's not true. Be serious. I'm not... I'm only being passionate because sometimes I just see people we wear clothes, we just people are looking to be seen. It's a problem. People are looking to be recognized. It's a problem. If you succeed in the wilderness, people will come there. You're looking for title. Want to be recognized. That's our problem. We're looking to be understood by men. Do you know one of the greatest failures when men understand you? Because you've just conformed. And the Bible says, be not conformed. My wife begged me not to overtalk. Stand up. 
said to me, if you go there, be careful. I'm just being careful. Truthfully, I hate what I hate. Truthfully, if you, those who are close to me, they know. I hate what I hate. When people just, you, we can, Job said in Job 14, if a man dies, shall he live again? Why will I just, why? The greatest pain of a man is that you existed. Why? Is that your story? You're, you were born in these days and you, you lived here, you, you, you built house and you died. Is that all? Is that all? You, made, you think money? You know the poorest man is the person who have money. It's the poorest living entity on earth. You have money. You are very poor. When you have affected life, imparted life, impart nations, then you are wealthy. Dream is a global ministry. Dream is a global what? Ministry. It is. It is not a national. This is not king, international kingdom life. No. It's a global kingdom. Let's stop planning nationally. I will come to headquarters. Somebody will be asking me, where are you? Somebody don't know what, where I am and you are, in, you are a tremite. They'll carry you in the magazine in Trem. You'll be, you'll be correcting them and say, there is Trem Galway, there is Trem Babrigan, there is Trem Sligo. They just think everything. And I was saying to my wife, we will shut them down and get people who are serious. If we make global impact. You can't walk with me anyway. Because I will fire you the next day. You, the next day you appear. Well, let's pray. Our first prayer is going to be on, based on understanding. Do we understand the season that we are in? Do you understand the season? That's a, please pardon me. Don't hate me. I'm just telling the truth. We know we sugarcoat what we should have just said. I, I, that is why I don't have a lot of friends. I just have very few. I can tell the truth. You can stand around me. I will not be talking. It's because I don't want you. I want you to think that I'm proud. But I'm not. Understand. 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 Genesis 8 verse 22. As long as the earth remained, seed time and harvest will not cease. It will not cease. Trem. What time are we in now? What time are we in now? The understanding of the timing determines what we do. And what we do determines the manifestation. Success is intentional. Anyone who succeeds in life intentionally planned it. Anything you hear in my life, in my family, was intentional. When we had our three children, we took me and my wife, we agreed. We will raise them based on the Jacobed principle. You don't know what Jacobed principle is? A woman had three children. Moses, Miriam, and Aaron. The three of them led their nation. So you start telling them, start preparing them. 
understanding. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 12 verse 32 that the children of Issachar, they understood time and season and they knew what Israel ought to do. Their brethren were in their command. We're going to pray for understanding. Every pastor, every leader, every tremite will understand the season that we are in. Understanding is key. That we understand when a pastor does not understand the season that they are in, you will not know what to do. You will just do what everybody is doing. You will copy what you see on social media. You will try what you see on social media and you'll be surprised it won't work for you because seasons are different. Open your mouth and begin to pray that as a ministry we will understand our season as leaders we understand our season can somebody pray for the spirit of understanding Isaiah 11 2 says he will rest the spirit of God upon you the spirit of wisdom and understanding open your mouth this morning and ask God Understanding that we may know what to do in this season, in this season, in this season. Tram has a place in the global world, has a place in the scheme of things. Lekatosa, Rikoro Sotoya, Lekadadada, Reketeya Dosa, Lekujantayada Dosa. Understanding Understanding Is somebody pushing it You can pray Until you understand you can pray until you understand. You can pray until it's impressed in you, in your spirit, that you understand. There has to be clarity that the eyes of understanding be enlightened that we may know. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, For every purpose, for every purpose, there is a season. I believe in my spirit. There is a purpose that dream has entered. There is a purpose that is about to be given better. But we must understand. There is a season for every purpose that we may understand the season. Our pastor's praying, our leader's praying, Lorosa, Eledaya, Akodos. Sundayada, Ila Brondo Sokoliga, Etaya Gadadosa, Ela Garusa Rika Shanda, Lebradose, Elo Zukulira, Ekarabadaya, Elo Zigalagadosa, Marika Tonyada, Lebregadea. Do I have people who can actually pray? Ele Setuladusa, Atayagadada, Leketelia, Legoro Sondolodo, 
irabada yagada la sokolia amakatozelia arakataya gadada la protozegede zurashataya nakatole sitalia arakataya dadada la brosondekeli rojikolia mandalalosa eleketosa evarushata endaligo sotolia la karada yagada la prosodogodola la prengeda we receive 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 understanding we receive understanding rakataya in jesus martin name we pray we're doing very well Personally, I like to take a prayer topic and we pray for 30 minutes or one hour. That's the way I like to pray, though. Hallelujah. Because, you see, one of the secrets that Jesus left with us is the weapon of prayer. Oh, God. You come to the territory where we are, you can't pray. You won't do much. You won't do much. Because your young people are open to the internet. They know a lot of things. Everybody knows. Everybody can Google anything. Then you must come that your word will be backed by his presence. That he will bring what somebody already knows. They will see it in a different light. It's from the secret place. Listen to me. If the place, location where you are is not responding to you, you wake up in the night and start speaking to the location. Because why men slept, men can plant. What men will see in the morning. Hallelujah. We're going to pray the next prayer. This prayer, we prayed it in our location for one year. And we began to see the manifestation, Isaiah 2.2. It is just the fulfillment of prophecy. And it shall come to pass in the last days. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established upon the mountain. Uh, and exalted above all hills and all nations and Matthew 5 verse 14 says he says you are the light of the world ah, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden can I prophesy to Trem as a ministry ah, we must we cannot be hidden we cannot be hidden we cannot be hidden. Yes, see this. Is a man do not light a candle and put it on. Oh God, you can call it ambition. You can call it whatever you like. I refuse. I refuse. Service as if we have other pastors. I have to go with you. The height. So trim as a ministry. We're going to declare today. Will be established not just the established upon every mountain upon every mountain upon every mountain all over the world upon every mountain be exalted above every hills can somebody declare it upon every mountain is our placement the mountain top 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 that's where we are that is our global positioning the mountain top the mountain top can somebody prophesy can somebody declare
declared. It is a prayer of declaration that we declare as Trem as a ministry. We are the mountain top ministry. I know, I don't understand the native language, but I know Antonio K. We talk about hills. That is where Trem headquarters is established upon the mountain of this nation. So every location, wherever we are, established upon the mountain of our nations, of our cities, of our regions. Is somebody prophesying? Is somebody prophesying? Laradaya Zoro Koshanta Ikabarando Seriko Liada Lekadaya Gadada Erasontoya Lakuria Taya Our nations we establish we establish we establish Trem as a ministry Trem as a ministry Trem as a ministry Trem as a ministry upon the mountains upon the mountains upon the mountains of nations of nations of nations of nations of nations do i have prophets in the house open your mouth and declare as you speak you will see as you speak you will see as you speak you will see we are taking abuja we are taking lagos we are taking the east we are taking the north we are taking europe we are taking america we are taking asia we are taking middle east we are taking Lerados, Elakatuya, Ebarusaria, Nekede Gesuta, Erakataya Gados, Maradaya, Alaradada, Rick. In Jesus' Martin, I will pray. My wife asked me a question. He says, If you were in the village, would you be doing what you are doing? I said, Keep me anywhere. It is not about where I am, it is about what is inside of me, it's about my belief. It's about my belief. It's about my belief. Permit me to say, permit me to say, anything you believe, you will achieve. All things are possible to them that believe. It is the scripture. Stop speaking about where you are. Speak about where you are going to. Are you hearing me? When somebody is saying to you, I can't see it in you. Tell them because you are, the problem is not me, it's you. Something is wrong with how you can see. Don't we look not at the things we see, but we look at the things we do not see. How do you look at the things you do not see? It means that you must look beyond what you see. Speak about where you are, you're going to. And never prepare for where you are. Hallelujah. My wife is in the medical profession. If you see that I've not gotten up in a certain time, she said, dear, how do you feel? I said, what do you want me to tell you? I said, I feel great. He said, I don't see it in you. I said, you are blind. Father, open her eyes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stop looking at We are in ministry, and that's the way we'll be speaking now. That's what we'll be speaking. Pastors, can I tell you something? Can I advise you? When we sit down in leadership meetings, stop discussing the problem. Keep talking about where we are going to. Be solution-minded. 
My wife will tell you, I do stand-up meetings. I don't have time to sit down. Where my blood is too hot. We stand up and say, okay, yes. Don't tell me what is going wrong. We all know what is going wrong. Let's talk about solution. You can't serve in our leadership if you're not solution-minded. What are you telling me? You are telling me what is already happening. That the branch in, 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 in let me hear about, is not doing well. For the far you find out the branch is not doing well. Shouldn't be what we should be discussing. Should be the solution you found out that will help us do well. So you will review your leadership in 2024 and tell people, say, excuse us. Because leadership is not a position. It's a responsibility. We're going to pray. Psalm 71:21. The Lord will increase our greatness and comfort us on everything. I don't just want to be great. No, my father is very great. Bishop Michael is exceedingly great, and his apex is my starting point. My daughter was saying to us, sorry, permit me, it's our last prayer. She said to us that she's found out that the school she's going to go to because she refused to do sports. So she's the only child that is not getting scholarship. The others have scholarship. She said she's found out that the school is 11,000 pounds per year. She said, I will pay for it myself. I said to her, I would have been surprised if you were saying that we should give you the money for just 11,000 pounds. But she's 16. I want you to pray as a ministry. We are already great, but we prophesy that our great. We are going to pray that prayer for five minutes until you taste greatness. Until you can confidently say that our greatness has been increased. Open your mouth and begin to prophesy. It's my last prayer. You are praying for five minutes. You are praying this prayer for five minutes that our greatness will be increased. We will not be small. We cannot be small. There is no smallness in us. Le Rusha Hekata. We will not celebrate mediocrity. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The Lord, the Lord has increased our greatness. He has increased our greatness. He has increased. Oroshataya. Elegadoza. Elabradoske. Ebarusha. Elamande Kesuda. Elakarusa. Keblende Galia. Orashoto Yagadada. Lebrakato. Ekamanda Yagado. Isoto Yada. Lebrata Yagada. Zarabados. Leketegetege Songa Ligadaya. Labregadusa Rika. Aranda Yagada. La Koriada. Zorakashondaya. All over Nigeria. All over Africa. All over Europe. All over America. All over Asia. All over Middle East. The Lord has increased our greatness. Has increased our greatness. Has increased our greatness. Has increased our greatness. 
has increased our greatness has increased our greatness has increased our greatness has increased our greatness Lara Toskaya Elado Setelia Ekabariada Adayagadosa Etegedegedesa Mapratoske Elashotoya Elamandayagadosa Ekedegedegesotolia He has increased our greatness Lobrataya We announce We declare We declare We declare All over Tremord The Lord The Lord Has increased Our greatness Maratosa We declare it We prophesy We decree Arasata Yagadosa Eketeyadadada Lasondekele He shall turn for you As testimony And it shall turn to you for what? Everything we have prophesied will turn to us as what? How many of us believe everything we have prophesied will turn to us as what? Every mass you get to Abuja, you will see what you have never seen before. Because the Lord has increased our greatness. Listen to me, can I just say this? Permit me to say this, please. Any living termite, if you are leaving the shores of Nigeria, contact us. Let's stop wasting our resources. We have loads of tremors traveling abroad and they go we will lose them if truly you carry the dna of trem contact us you see i can meet you anywhere i can meet you anywhere i know reverend Felix can meet you anywhere trem does not have boundary the line boundary line has been blocked we have removed it i can meet you and i think at the end of kingdom life they can put up our contact. I don't, I'm not a private person. You can call me. But let's stop saying the day I came. You see, if you are landing in Heathrow, I'll meet you. Land in Skip, I will meet you. Land in Frankfurt, I will meet you. Land in Philippines, I will meet you. Land in Japan, I will meet you. Don't tell me nobody met you. So please tell your members we are there to receive them. So that we'll take the nation. God bless you. church what an awesome conference awesome thank you you know Psalm 103 verse 2 says bless the Lord all my soul and all that is within me bless the name of the Lord I love verse 4 it says let all that I am bless the Lord who are you you are the redeemed the restored you are the healed you are the glorified. You are he who God has justified. You are he who God has made blessed. Lift up your hands and just bless the name of the Lord. Bless him. You are great all over. You are great all over, wherever you are. Seated in this auditorium, watching online. Bless the name of the Lord. Come on, worship him. We bless you, O oh God. Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet thy tribute bring. I am ransomed, 
you are healed, you are forgiven. Who like me is praise should sing. I do that again. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet, thy tribute bring. I'm ransomed, I am healed, I am forgiven. Praise it. Praise him. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, Rabba Shanda. Praise Jesus, 
call his name over that situation speak Jesus speak Jesus wherever you are I don't know what that which you have believed God for but speak Jesus speak Jesus over it speak Jesus speak Jesus over that sickness speak Jesus speak Jesus speak Jesus over that contract speak Jesus over your branch speak Jesus pastors over that which you believe God to be safe. 
Just continue to appreciate him. Appreciate this God who is wonderful, who is altogether lovely, who is altogether wonderful. He is faithful. He is a good God. Appreciate him this morning in any language that you know, in the best way you know how to. Thank him for who he is. It is day five of the Kingdom Life World Conference. God has been faithful through everything he has seen us through. He has seen us through, he's been faithful. He's been our Ebenezer, he's been our helper. He's been our strengthener, our standby intercessor. We worship you, Lord, we exalt you. Jesus, the name that is above every other name. We exalt you, we enthrone you, Lord. You are worthy of all our praise. You are worthy of all our adoration. This morning, we just wanna let you know, Father, that we are grateful for the privilege to be able to worship you. We're grateful for the privilege to know you. And we are grateful for the privilege to be known by you. We exalt you, Father. Blessed be your holy name, Father. In the name of Jesus, we have worshipped. In the name of Jesus, we have worshipped. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. Even as you take your seats. Please reach out to somebody sitting beside you and let them know they're greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved. Let them know you are happy to see them on day five of the Kingdom Life World Conference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's been an awesome, awesome conference. How many of you will agree with me? It's been amazing. It's been amazing, day one, day two, day three, day four, and day five. Both morning and evening sessions. I still haven't come down from yesterday night. It was incredible. And then these morning sessions too, the prayers. Ah, I said, I said to myself, the morning sessions have a very special place in my heart. I don't know about you. Very special. I can't afford to miss morning. I'm always running every single day to make it here on time because the morning sessions are incredibly special. And this morning will be no different in the name of Jesus. Today is Thursday and normally the IWPC will fall into Kingdom Life. Every Thursday we have IWPC. But uh, this year, man disposes the uh, <laughs> calendar, says another. So IWPC is going to be um, next week. And because today I have the privilege of holding the mic, we will watch the IWPC video. So please, media, IWPC, IWPC is one week away, exactly one week away, so away from today. So please give us the video for IWPC. Scary. So scary everywhere. Not only in our world today, the world we live in, it is so scary. So scary everywhere. Not only in Nigeria, everywhere is so scary. In a world where chaos seems to be the order of the day, and recession resembles the piper that detects the tune, it seems that the negative is constantly imposed on us. Dear woman, it is imperative that I ask you before the dawn of the approaching year. What do you see? This month, we'll be decreeing goodness upon 2024 and commanding things that be not as though they were. You cannot afford to miss this prophetic meeting. In the midst of all this cross darkness, our victory is already guaranteed. Our convener, Bishop Peace Okonkwo, will be ministering and leading us 
on this assignment to prophetically plan 2024. Tell every woman in your house, in your neighborhood, in your office, in your school, and everywhere you know that this edition is a game changer. See you there. Hallelujah. If you're going to be here next week, Thursday, wave at me, celebrate Jesus, do something. It's going to be an incredible time in God's presence as we prayerfully plan 2024. What do you see? We just prayed about greatness. So 2024, is, without a doubt, is going to be exceedingly great for each and every one of us. You don't want to miss it. It says tell everyone you know, tell every woman, tell everyone in your office, in your neighborhood, in your house. Just make sure you're there. That's all. We'll wait for next week Thursday. Hallelujah. All right, and this morning, we have some special guests in the house that have joined us this morning for the conference. I'm going to stand on all existing protocols. There are people who have been coming every week, um, every day through this conference, and we celebrate them, we honor them, we're grateful for the guests who have been here from day one. Please celebrate these special guests. They have been here from day one of this conference. We love you so, um, so much. We love you, sirs and mas. We're thankful that you are here. We don't take your presence in our program for granted. You may, you're adding color to our conference, and we're so glad that you're here to celebrate with us. And we know that you will not leave the same way you have come in the name of Jesus. Amen. And then we have some guests who are here today for the very first time. And I'm going to recognize them in no particular order. And please... Um, um, join me in celebrating pastors Abayomi and Busola Omotunde of the Living Stones of Zion International Church. We celebrate you, Sama. We're so glad that you joined us this morning. Thank you so much for coming. And then we also have from Guiding Light Abuja, Apostle Israel Abam. Thank you so much, sir, for coming. We're so glad to have you in the house this morning. Thank you. All the way from Abuja. Celebrate him like Big Daddy would say. Thank you, sir. We're glad to have you in the house. Hallelujah. All right. This morning, like I said, you already knew IWPC didn't fall into kingdom life. But we have something very special planned. Um, uh, we, while we pondered on what we would do with the Thursday, because it's normally preset, our big daddy, the presiding bishop, gave us a um, direction of what to do and gave us approval to go ahead and have... Um, a very important conversation that is very key. One thing I love about the Kingdom Life Conference is that everybody hears, everybody gets something. There is something for business owners. So yesterday we had skill acquisition and then we had the um, keynote speaker, the businessman. He spoke so powerfully. There's spiritual impartation. Um, there's something for every single person. I mean, you can't come to Kingdom Life and leave the same way you have coming. Even on Saturday, there is also a um, business trade fair. So there is, and then Friday, tomorrow, there is Zama. There is something for everyone. It's truly a celebration. And so today is no different. We'll be having a very important conversation because the church tends to shy away from very, we don't like to touch some subjects, but it's very important that we talk about things and we break some tables and we mend the tables and we just talk to ourselves. We talk to ourselves. Today is a very loaded session on relationships. So if you're single, you're engaged, you're married, you're in a situationship, you're in courtship, whatever category you fall into, you will hear 
in your own language this morning. You will hear your own language this morning. While I was sitting there, I remembered when at some point I felt, oh, my marriage is going pretty you know, decent. I mean, I don't have to do really reinvent the wheel. And then it hit me that I'm getting lazy in love and I was like, eh, you can't afford to do that. So there is always another level because the path of the just is like a shining light that shines brighter and brighter. And afterwards, there'll be a Q&A session. So this is very power-packed. You're going to be richly blessed. There's a Q&A session, both on-site and online, we'll take your questions. Our speakers this morning are a couple. They're reverends. I'm going to start with their couple, so they're married, husband and wife, and I'm going to start with the introduction for the wife. She's an experienced financial executive, executive, financial, I'll take that again. She's an experienced financial services executive and a management consultant with a demonstrated practical knowledge of the financial services value chain. She holds over 32 years of experience in strategic leadership, wholesale, and retail banking. She's just a financial powerhouse. I don't want to give you away too much before I say her name. <laughs> She's also a servant of the Lord, a minister. She's a wife to a Zono pastor, a puzzle in the marketplace. It's on the board of, sits on the board of many organizations. She's a fearless female enthusiast and is passionate about the plight of widows and the girl child. She's a mother to two wonderful young men who she jokingly claims her love to beat and terrorizes them equally as well. And she is a servant of the Most High God. And then I'm going to move over to the profile for the husband before I say their names. Are you already guessing? <laughs> Should I have had a gift to, for people that are guessing this morning? He is a Zono pastor. He's a reverend in the house. Joined Trem in 1991 in a Papa branch and served meritoriously in the branch until he was called into full-time ministry in 99. Since then, he has served in various capacities and positions. He has served, I was gonna say the name of the church, let me move on. Are you guessing? <laughs> He's currently the missions director and serves in the chair management council of CHARM. His current seven general secretary for the Pentecostal Fellowship of Nigeria, FCT Abuja. I'm giving it away, right? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say his name. Reverend Max is an author, a playwright, a conference speaker, the convener of the Leading Edge Conference, and the host of the weekly Power Pack Life Impact Program, ETAG, engaging the Almighty God across the social media platforms. I know, I know ETAG. How many of you know ETAG? Ah, well, you need to get on Facebook. You need to get on YouTube. He's married to his beautiful wife who will be joining him today as well. So they're going to be at liberty to go in whatever order they desire this morning. I'm speaking to us. And they, so he's married to his beautiful wife, Reverend Binsa, Max Benije, and they are blessed with two wonderful boys, Tega and Tejiri. So put your hands together today and celebrate as we receive... Reverend Max and pa Reverend Binta Benije. Celebrate them till they come.
Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. We'll first like to thank you, Big Mommy, and our dear Big Daddy for this privilege. We do not take it for granted at all. It's truly an honor and a privilege for us. And um, when Reverend Uche called or gave the sermons, my initial reaction was like, why me? Like, we no more. See me. Doesn't Reverend Uche know you have to fast and pray for like two months before you come to Big Daddy and Big Mommy's pulpit? How can she do this to me? Reverend Max is an anointed minister, unprovoked. If you wake him up 3 a.m., he will deliver. But little old me, why is she doing this to me? But I take consolation that I'm here on the orders of Big Daddy and Big Mommy. I'm hiding under their grace. And I know we're at the Jesus Conference. So Jesus alone will grant us the grace. Amen. Thank you, Big Mommy. We're truly, truly grateful for this privilege. I salute and celebrate everyone in the house. I learned from Big Daddy that it is the combined graces and anointing in the house that make the service what it is. So I celebrate the College of Bishops, our pastors, and everyone who's in the house. Thank you so very much. We have the challenge to talk about the challenges of marriage, and that's intentional, that's a play on words. The challenges that need to be overcome in marriage. And so we'll start by saying, let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us. Let us learn about these challenges. Speak to us by yourself. Give someone an answer. Someone has had questions and is wondering and needs to take a decision. Lord, let them hear from you today. It's not the words that we have prepared to speak, but that which you will reveal to your people in the name of Jesus. Let homes be healed, let marriages be restored, and let your name alone be glorified in all our lives because we have prayed in the mighty and majestic name of Jesus. So it starts with prayer, amen? Jesus started with prayer and ended with a prayer. Prayer is the master key. You know that song, right? And you must have also heard the popular phrase, love isn't enough. And how many of us have heard that? Love isn't enough. Okay. Well, Reverend Max and I are here today to submit that contrary to that position, we believe that love is enough with Jesus. So if you had the saying, love isn't enough, now you just change it to love is enough with Jesus. Amen? Not just because we're at the Jesus conference, but it's because Jesus is the one who makes all the difference. Every marriage that failed had a chance to succeed, and everyone that succeeded had a chance to fail. The only difference is the commitment of both parties. The people who are involved and who said, you know what, I'm going to make this work. And so when you make that commitment, ab initio, from the get-go and said, you see this marriage, it will work. The challenges will come. The rain will fall. The billows will toss high, as our big daddy will say. But because you made that commitment on the day you exchanged those vows and said, I do, and you're going to see it through till the end, that marriage has a chance. So whatever the challenges or the obstacles are that come against it, because in your head you have said 
there is no going back. So it starts with that intentionality that Reverend Chuka talked about. You must be intentional about the things that you plan to do. Amen? I think it was last year when we were here for the CCMI and we had a lady who came to talk to us about marriage. And she said something that stuck in my head and has been ringing ever since. It was to say that they carried out a survey amongst young people or people planning for marriage. And one of the questions they asked was, is divorce an option? And out of that number that was surveyed, 25% said, oh yes, if you know walk, I take a walk. So for them, from the get-go, they were coming in with, well, a yije, a yeoje. I'm sure you know I've been listening to my big daddy. It's the kind of thing big daddy, big daddy will say, a yije, a yeoje, palm one, palm two. If it works, if you know work, we'll take a walk. And that's a mindset that will program you for failure and will ensure that when the challenges come, you don't deal with them like you should because in your mind you're like, well, there's a plan B. But we want to submit as children of the Most High God that there's no plan B for us. Can I hear an amen? You must go in ready and saying, you know what? This is ride or die. The only time that is, you, you're permitted to say I step out is when it's true die, die. You know what I mean? Domestic violence, the unmentionables, the things that, you know, you know battery, abuse, or fraud from the beginning. Some things that are, you know, it's a, I mean, it's a no-brainer. But otherwise, if it's about the challenges that will come in marriage, ladies and gentlemen, the challenges will come. But you must just have that mindset, Abinisho, that you know what? I'm in this for life. Papa Jokume, his soul rest in peace, will say to us, marriage is like going to the wharf and buying a container. You take it home. You don't open it at the wharf and you're asking what's in it, what's not in it. Mbanu, nobody has that time for you. You take it home. Whatever you find in it, good, bad, or ugly, you bought it. Now so marriage be. So for the young people in the house who aren't married yet, and I look across and I see the demographics, there are quite a few young people in the room. The first thing that you must get right is the fact that I must marry first the right person. Marriage has its own challenges, however you slice it or dice it. You might be the most matched couple, you might be the perfect couple, but the challenges of marriages are there, constant, it will come. So do yourself a favor from the very beginning by marrying the right person, so that to start with, you have taken care of that one. Can I hear an amen? What do I mean by marrying the right person? There's some things that are not negotiable. He or she must be a believer. Amen? We know what the scripture says. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 14 to 18. It tells us we cannot be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So you have to get that piece right. So if there's anyone in the house or listening or who will listen later, who has that, that, that oh, I can convert and marry. Oh, well, the person says he's born again. I'm not sure, but I know we can work on it. I take God beg you. Don't even go there. Don't even start. You must know that you know that you know without a shadow of doubt that this person truly knows Jesus for him or herself and will serve the Lord whether or not you were there. I tell people that the reason a man will not slap you, eh, that he won't woes you left, right, and center, is not because he says he's born again. No. It is that he knows Jesus or that he has the fear of God. That's what will stop him when he carries that hand and wants to hit you. 
But if he doesn't have that Jesus, nothing to restrain him on the inside, ah, now one chance you enter, the Lord will help us. Be sure he or she is born again. A second thing is, is there congruence in your core values? Are you aligned about the things that are important to you? How we raise our child, the Jacobet principle we heard again today. Do you, how do you even spend money? Is it my money is my money and your money is our money? Do we have a joint account? All of those things. Are you aligned? Are you agreed? Have you told each other about your past life? The jury is still out on that. Some people say, oh, don't tell. What he doesn't know won't hurt him or her. I'm a proponent of full disclosure. Tell it all from the beginning, no. Because if he then finds out afterwards, trust will be eroded. So it's better to put the cards on the table. This is who I am. This is the life I had. You like me, you take me like this. If not, it was nice knowing you. Amen? And you keep it moving until God brings your own husband or your own wife. Am I making sense to someone? But please tell the truth. Put it all on the table. That still remains my position. So I say, ah, what he doesn't know won't hurt him. Mm -hmm. It is the one that I have that I'm telling you so. Know all of that before you marry. I'm still talking to the single. So before you go into marriage, and in the next few minutes, I'll talk about while you're in it and the challenges that are likely to come. Determine all of that before you marry. Because marriage, eh, my sisters in particular, and my brothers, ah, marriage builds character. Chai. The Yoruba people say, Ileoko, Ileeko. The one that you did not know before, and I hope it's okay, Pastor Oche, to speak pidgin and just bring it home. Thank you. Forgive me. I can speak the Queen's English too, but there's some things that you have to say in a particular language to drive the point home. You know what I'm saying? The one you did not know outside, the one that you did not teach yourself, in husband house, you go learn them. Ileoko, Ileeko. So very true. So young people, those who aren't married, those who are in a situationship, I learned that from Pastor Uche today, I haven't heard that before. Relationship and situationship, whatever state you're in, check, double check, and triple check. That's my own personal mantra for anything that I do. Check it all or be sure that this is what you want to do and where you're going before you put your head in. Critical. So now you're in the marriage, the challenges are coming. But because you had married right, as right as you could have, at least most of those things have been dealt with. He's a believer. He will not woes you left, right, and center because at least Jesus is on the inside of him, right? So at least that's settled. You've taken that out of the way. But when you're in the marriage, what are the kind of challenges that will come and how do you deal them? So I'll talk about a few of those things and I'll hand over to Reverend Max. I'm just a forerunner. I'm the minor prophet. He's the major prophet. He will tell us all that we need to talk about. Okay? What are the challenges? The challenges are many and they never stop coming in marriage. Is it expressing love for one and to another? It's a major challenge. A wife will say, he hasn't told me he loves me. Since the day we married, he hasn't sent me flowers. He hasn't sent me card. I have a friend who say flower. Who flower help? Please, I don't what do, what do I need flower? Give me the money for the flower. That is her own. Everybody gets their own. You know what I'm saying? But for the person who flower is her love language, it's a problem. It's a challenge. 
and then when you come home and she you greet her she won't answer why it is valentine's day and she did not get flower it's a challenge it might seem like a little thing but it's just little little things that actually spoil the broad the lord will help us in jesus name is it need for respect that's also a challenge in marriage particularly for the man one thing a man needs like he needs air is respect we'll talk about that later what is another challenge the importance of honor that you honor one another in the way you talk to each other in how you think about each other the way you portray each other to the world watching world many ways very important is it in-laws or outlaws if they're badly behaved when they're badly behaved they're not in-laws anymore they're outlaws or is it when they are zen? you know what they say any billion people in the house as wing commanders you know what i'm talking about that can be a challenge in marriage or is it insecurity on the part of the man or the woman because when someone has poor self-image or they lack confidence in themselves or in their abilities it impacts on the other party he or she takes it out on you in ways that are not good for the marriage and that causes other challenges to come through. I would, however, talk very quickly to three and hand over to Reverend Max to do the rest. And I'll use the acronym PACTS for ease of reference. P-A-C-C-T-S. So I was going to do P-A-C-T-S, PACTS, but it, there's another C there. And I'll talk to it very quickly. First thing is prayer. You must pray for each other. You must pray together. You must pray for one another. Pray for your children. Pray for the family. Pray about everything and anything. It is so important. And I'm not speaking Christianese or trying to be spirituko. Because the truth of the matter is without prayer, there's only so much you can do. There's only so many triumphs and victories you would have. But when you're praying and you're talking to God, you'll hear that voice behind you saying, this is the way, work here in it. You'll be able to take the right decisions and be able to overcome these challenges that will inevitably come with marriage. Amen? You must pray. To overcome challenges, very pray. That's the first P. The second, the, 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 the other thing is A, agreement. The book of Amos in chapter 3 and verse 3 asks us, can two work except they be agreed? Someone can be going in this direction, another person in that direction, and you would have all of this, and you will have, be able to just move along smoothly and nicely, and everything will be all hunky-dory. It doesn't work that way. You must lay together in the same direction. You must sing from the same hymn sheet, as they say, because that's when you make the right decisions that you get the best results from. Amen? very important be agreed about your core values be agreed on how you spend money be agreed about in-laws who will live with us how many will live with us should they even live with us should we give them money to stay we don't want we want just the two of us be agreed on when you will have children if you will even have children very important all of those things and you don't have to agree on everything but you must have the conversation the conversation is critical and that takes me to the second the third thing which is the C and that's communication you need to talk about it don't be quiet Soros okay it's important you have the conversations and this is something that we women do that's a major challenge for the men of our marriage eventually you know, they, they, if everything's, I read something, a Sunday fact on Sunday that said two of the biggest lies in the world are, I'm okay, I'm fine, everything's all right. 
Meanwhile, nothing is all right. Oh. You are vexing. You are angry. Everything is all right. You bring his food. Boom. You just drop on the table and you go. You're going out of the door. Boom. You bang the, the door. Everything is all right. The two biggest lies told anywhere in the world. I'm fine and it's all right. Talk about it. Don't put it under the carpet. Because when it's a little molehill, that's when it can become a mountain. Gotta dirty. Eh, gotta dirty. Gotta is meant to be dirty before. Eh? But talk about it. And men, a special appeal from my sisters and I. When we're talking, please listen. From the early days of marriage, if you think about it, for some men, you'll realize that when you started out, your wife used to tell you everything. She used to talk about almost everything. But sometimes you shut her down or you wouldn't listen. And as the years went by, she started withdrawing more and more. And she doesn't talk to you as often as she used to. Is there a fact? Can anybody relate? The women are agreeing because they know that that's what has happened in their own case. Amen? Talk about everything. It's important. And you must be friends while you're talking. Talk about everything. Before I got married to Reverend Max, I didn't know there was a Spanish league, an English league, a Premier League. I didn't know who the football, um, you know, um, what we call them, teams or clubs were. But the man is a gunner. So I'm a gunner forever. Whether we're winning cup or winning shield or not winning, gunner we remain. Because where he goes, I go. Where he lodges, I lodge. His people will be my people. You follow, you get to just align. Because you talk about everything. So football, me, I didn't know jack about football before. Now, come and sit there. Eh, who are we playing today? Eh, who score? Eh, Declan Rice. Eh, 100 million. I'm not interested. But I've had to learn. Because it's important to him. And I can connect and we can communicate that way. Find whatever that interest is and do the same. The other C is children. Do you have a quiver full? Praise the Lord if you do. But you didn't just bring them into this world. Remember we're stewards. We're not owners of the children. We're stewards for our Lord and our maker. So when you bring them in, how do you take care of them? Parenting in this day and age is so, such a different ball game is unbelievable. I read something, a man said, before I had children, I had six theories on how to raise children. Now I have six children and no theories because all the theories were thrown out of the window. You can't do it by theory. You can't do it by book. You need the Holy Spirit to help you. And it's so important. Deal those issues and bring them up together, husband and wife. You don't have children, that's fine. While you're in the waiting room and you're waiting for children, be each other's best friends. Don't go looking for a boy from another woman like Reverend Obabude told us yesterday. Help your wife, take care of each other, do the things you enjoy, take off the pressure, defend her before your family, because these challenges are real and they're there. But it's important, when you married her, you said you will protect her and you will be there. And she too is meant to be your helpmate. But when you're together in unity and walking in one accord, then you can achieve these things that you plan to do. And there are ways and solutions for those who have the challenge of not having children yet. There's adoption, brilliant one. And statistics have proven that by the time many people who have gone the adoption route, immediately after adopting, have you heard that? 
Their wombs open and they have children of their own. It's like God rewarding them and saying, thank you for taking care of this child. So maybe there's someone in the room today who needs to consider it. God has not failed and he's not saying it's too late, but maybe you want to consider that. And the minute that happens, he brings your twin boys or one girl, one, or even triplets. My faith is big enough for someone. Is someone receiving it today? May the Lord grant unto you the righteous desire of your heart. There's also fostering other people's children, and that way the blessings come. There's also surrogacy, but that one I will ask Big Mommy later on. I won't talk about it. The T for Pats is thrive together, grow together, be each other's best cheerleader, root for one another, encourage the person to be the best version of themselves, be supportive. If it even means putting your own ambition on hold at that time, you can do that as well. But help one another. And I say this from a point of knowing, and I don't know if I've ever said it anywhere. So Reverend Max, today I'll say to you, thank you. If he, he was the wind beneath my wings. He allowed me to soar in my career. There were times when I'll even get a promotion or get a job, job offer, and I'll say to him, can I do it? I'll suffer from imposter syndrome a bit, but he'll be the one to say, yes, you can. He had bigger dreams for me than I had for myself. So rising all the way to CEO, being there for eight years, doing other things, being appointed to, it was always Reverend Max. Please help me celebrate him. And I say this with every sense of responsibility. Because during these jobs, I had to travel. I wasn't there a lot of times. He had to be there with our sons. And to the, by the, to the glory of God and by the grace of God, they've turned out well and they're doing well. When we hear reports about them, it is good news at every point in time. And I know it couldn't have happened because I was doing homework online. I will call and will do homework on the phone. It's not even online now that you have Zoom and all of that. But he will be the one to check it. I'll do it with them. He'll check it. He'll sign their book and all of that. You know, but somehow God helped us. But if he was the kind of man that said, stay there, be in the other room, you're not going anywhere, I wouldn't have achieved or gotten to the level that I did today. I know a friend, I was having this conversation just last week, coincidentally, and she talked about, and I'm still pained, even just thinking about it. This is someone who had the opportunity to go to another country to go and do a role, and then after that, come back and be a head honcho where she was. She called the husband, immediately they made her the offer. He just shut it down with me. He didn't even say, um, let's talk about it, or ah, how will that work, the children? He just said, of course not. She said he killed her spirit and she just hung up the phone. Anyway, long story cut short, the marriage didn't last. But she lost that opportunity till today. Where she would have been would have been way ahead. But it didn't happen because the man didn't allow her go. Husbands be supportive. It's a major issue. Thrive together. I know of a couple who has upgraded because, or the man has upgraded. They were together, school teachers, managing themselves, and then now he has gone and done ICANN. He has become a bigger boy. He got a nicer job. He's even bought a car now. Ah, ah, we're grateful to God. But his wife is still there. He told her to stop working. He started a shop. He took over the shop. 
If she does this, it is wahala. Long story cut short. I have a message on my phone from her. I have many questions about my marriage, and I need you to talk to me about it. That will happen. The challenges of marriage. But what do you do? So don't grow alone, men. Don't upgrade and want a trophy wife. I'm sure if he was in the world or if he wasn't in church and we were on their case, he would have said, ah, she's not good for me anymore. Let me go and get another wife. You know what I'm saying? Because we hear of all of those things. I had a privilege to, to, to counsel a young couple recently, a couple I love very much. And one of the major things that came out of that was this last thing, the S, which is sex. I promise you I'm still born again, like I was when we started this conversation. So that I'm talking about sex now doesn't mean I'm not born again anymore. I'm still born again. But how do you talk about marriage without talking about sex? Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled. That's what the Bible tells us, Hebrews chapter 13, from verse 46. Okay? So it is lawful, it is recommended, anyhow, any day, any time, except when it is with consent, when you have to put yourselves away for fasting and prayer and all of that by mutual consent. I want to add one bit, and this is from my Concerned Sisters Association. Eh? Concerned Christian Sisters Association. Please, our daddies and our husbands and our lovers and our booze. This sex eh, is supposed to be mutually beneficial. Uche told me it was okay to shake some tables, and I'm sure I'm still okay. Is it all right to have this conversation? This idea of one mom, bam, thank you, ma'am, and you get up and go, and it's just only about demand, it has to stop. Let's tell ourselves the truth now. And you do it and you go and you leave her there. And she's unhappy, emotionally. She's not the one where you even do. Some people know they do at all. So for months and for weeks and years, in this church, I'm not talking about another church, in this church, don't look at me with that Obani Korowai, I know somebody. In this church, the man never touched him for how long? And you expect her to be mentally together? Come on now. It's a major challenge. And some of you are listening to me. You too. You know what I'm talking about now. Let me know. Oh my goodness. I have to, 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 to wrap up. And one other thing from my Concerned Sisters Association. Please, sex is not a reward. You annoyed me in the morning. And you went out. Then you come at night and you're coming to touch me. That's what? How? In which state of mind are we even having this conversation? Please, I have a headache. That will be one silent night. It will happen. Bible says do not let the sun go down on your anger, right? Let's discuss it before we now enter into the Holy of Holies. Amen? It's important. Ladies and gentlemen, I need to stop here. There are challenges, but they can be overcome. It will take dedication. It will take a love. It will take a lot of hard work, but yes, it can be done. Please help me celebrate Reverend Max as he takes over. Please keep clapping for him. Isn't my husband a fine man? Fine yellow bobo. Six pack. Six, six thousand in the belly. <laughs> Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Binta. Um, toothpaste. Toothpaste. 
I've seen people who quarrel because of toothpaste. So I'm going to be practical. Press it from the bottom. No, no, I like it from the middle. And it's a major problem. People quarrel because of toothpaste. It is because we didn't learn each other. We didn't learn. Ah, wrap on the chest. I know a couple so many years ago, so many years ago, I know a couple. Housekeeping was just the major problem. Oh, my wife wakes up in the morning, I go to work, she's just there. She will tie the wrapper and she will lie down. Everywhere is scattered and she will still be there. When I come back from work, the way we left the house, that's the way it is and she's just still there. Housekeeping. Bring me my food. Did you leave money for food? Did you leave money for food? It's a major problem. Tradition is a problem. There's a way we serve people in where I come from. You have to put the plate this way and put it this way and put it that way. If it is not that way, the food is not ready. Now she's not from your place. She doesn't know your custom. You didn't teach her your custom. But you want her to do your custom. I tell my wife, and I take care of myself. I love to take care of myself. I love to, she knows I love to take care of myself. I don't stress my wife when it comes to food. So I learned to cook very well. Yes, I learned to cook. All my brothers cook. My father cooks. Until my father turned 80, my father cooked his food. My father was 87 just on Monday. My father will go to the market to buy his fish. Every fish we have in our house that they send is my father that buys it. Now, that is not to say that the women should go to bed. So I love to serve my food anyhow, but if my father comes to my house, she knows that the food must be served, there will be the dish here, the dish here, then the serving plate. But I had to teach her that, so that there will be no problem. She talked about in-laws and outlaws. And I want to talk about 50-year-old mommy's boy. 50-year-old mommy's boy. Everything that is happening, mommy said. Mommy said. Mommy said. Mommy said. Mommy said. You know that thing you said we should do? I, I asked mommy. Mommy said, why are we doing it? And that's a major problem in marriages. And so the woman wants to do things and now keeps it from you because 
she will hear and we have daddy's girls too don't touch my daughter don't touch my daughter don't 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 even go near it it's a major problem so what are the issues in marriage is the fact that we did not learn each other we didn't learn each other we didn't learn each other we were carried away look i love you they run dry i love you go and ask them in the marriage feast in Cana of galilee the wine finished it gets to a point you know when you when we start when we started you can call and do 20 i love you i love you in a day how's work going you know i really love you you call next time have you eaten i just want to let you know that i love you you call next time what's happening i just want to let you know that you know don't forget really really i love you so you coin the i love you in different ways but when you get into the home and after a while it will go from i to love you from love you it will be you you, you know you know you know you know what am i supposed to know you know praise god there are so many things that we need to deal with money management we have some women who like forgive me who like a life that is higher than what they can afford amen and so a major problem begins in the home and that's the problem of comparison so you begin to look at somebody and say what was wrong with you did you not see Inkechi's husband he just bought her a car what's your husband's name probably John John and Inkechi and, and, and James they are not the same thing there was a case I was handling. I'm sure I don't want to say, but mommy had a bit of whatever, and that was a case. And I heard the guy said, uh -uh, "What do you mean? Is it not? Is it not James' wife that bought that house? What are you doing?" And I looked at I looked at him. I said, "What exactly? What are you talking about?" You sit down. You do nothing. You expect her to go out and work all the money, buy you a house. Buy you a house. And whilst I talk about women who put wrapper on their chest, what about men who wake up at 10 o'clock in the morning? And at, and at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, they are watching Chelsea versus Man U. They are not going out, they are not doing anything. There's nothing, they are providing no support for the woman, nothing. It is because they don't have a vision for themselves. So there are a lot of problems in marriage. And, don't they, and honestly speaking, people of God, they are not big issues. But they are the issues that kill the home. They are very little issues. Little issues. They kill the home. Several years ago, I know of a couple... The guy saw this lady and 
just no i must marry this person they told him no he said no i must marry this person that marriage didn't last six months it didn't last six months you know in the days of in the days of um photo frame as wedding gifts so the photo frame became the weapons of warfare so every time there's a problem somebody pulls a photo frame from the wall and flings it this way and it didn't last the reason why it didn't last was because there was no identity for their marriage it was not defined they didn't know what they wanted they didn't know what they wanted Hebrews chapter 3 verse 4 Hebrews 3 4 Hebrews 3 4 for every house is builded by some man but he that built all things is God is God is God who in here we are who is our perfect example outside of Jesus that you and I need to emulate big daddy and big mommy big daddy and big mommy and we need to understand it they are the people we see what is the example of their marriage because if you are a termite we're talking about we pattern ourselves that same example you should follow that same example of the marriage you should follow so many years together and let me tell you something look bible says iron sharpened what iron does what when the irons begin to rub against each other check the floor you will see particles of the metal on the floor whilst the, the 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 knife will become sharp or sharpened there are things that fell off rubbing off friction is supposed to make us better but most of the times when we have friction in our homes we are looking for third parties who will tell us let's go our separate ways truth of the matter is this you never knew your wife before she never knew you before you met one day different backgrounds different training different family setting and you have now come together to create a new culture what you need to do is to sit down and understand what kind of culture we want to create for ourselves and that culture that you want to create it is i contribute you contribute and we create a value system for our home and when that value system is created even when our children grow up and they are getting married they take their creating another culture for themselves there are some of us whose children don't even know where we come from basically because of creating a new culture and so i got i married my wife my wife from kogi state when i went to her place the oldest man in her village at that time was 120 something years old and the man sat down and asked who came who is marrying my daughter 
Somebody was speaking for me. He said, I don't want to listen to you. Who is the person? So I stood up and he looked at me and he said, there's only one thing I want to say to you. Don't beat my daughter. That's all I want to say to you. We don't collect bride price. We don't do anything. Don't touch my daughter. And we left. Have we had issues? Yes, we have. We may still have one tomorrow. But we talk about it. We even had one last week. Is it okay to be vulnerable? I don't even care if you remember it and use it. But we had one last week. And I did something that I thought she was getting to me. I didn't know I was getting to her. So we were both getting to each other without knowing. But we're okay. Because we had to talk about it. We had to talk about it. I didn't know while I was feeling somehow, she was feeling somehow. And we had to talk about it. And I had to say to her, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't even know. That, this. that brings me to you. I'm sorry does not reduce you. It doesn't, it doesn't reduce your person. It doesn't take away one strand of hair from your head. I'm sorry simply makes you a better person. And please don't say I'm sorry without meaning it. And she'll be not sorry she wants. Okay, sorry. So basically, there has to be an understanding of why we are married for this cause. What is your own cause? What is your own? Every marriage has its own cause. You cannot use another person's home to come and judge your home, but you can pick from their examples and the principles of marriage. You know, mommy, I was reading John chapter 2. They wanted wine. Wine was finished. The guy that was getting married was not his business. He was enjoying his life. There are so many times we allow things that have no business in affecting our homes to affect our homes. The guy was busy doing what he was doing, enjoying his party. It was Jesus' mother that came to Jesus and said, the wine is finished. When the wine got finished and Jesus' mother came, they filled the water pots with water, drew water out of that place and gave to the governor of the feast. It was then that the governor called the guy and said, a, a good man will bring this kind of wine first. The guy didn't know what was going on. So there are things that we must fence off from our homes. Number one is third party interference. I saw your wife somewhere. What's your business? Do you know whether I know why she's in that place? 
With what intention did you come to speak to me? What's your motive? Because if you don't learn how to judge motives, you will take everything. You will take everything. You will receive everything. And you will use it and later to find, to find out that you were foolish. Because by the time you come to that point where you now understand, oh, this was what she was doing. You had already made all the noise you want to make. Information is not meant for use without processing it. Process the information. There is no perfect man, there is no perfect woman. Marriage is about two imperfect people coming together who can forgive one another and help one another to grow. And I have, a, I have in the next few minutes that I have, I have, I have counsel for some people. Look, my wife said something about her work and all of that. When we were getting married, I had a 10-year plan for where I wanted to see my wife. 10 years. And every day as we wake up and she's going to work, I put my hand on her and I say to her, this is where I see you in 10 years. And I want to submit to this church that in exactly 10 years, I saw her there. And, and I developed another five-year plan. This is where you will be in the next five years. And it has happened. Now I have another one that I'm waiting for to happen and I will see it happen. How do you plan for your wife? And how do you plan for your husband? You know, we make a mistake to say, oh, the man is the head, the man is the head. The head is useless without the body. The body is useless without the head. And so there's a combination that works. And so women, what do you have planned for your husband? Do you put your hand on your husband and say, this is my expectation, I believe God it will happen. Somebody said money is not wealth. Money can be, you can be poor having money. And that's the truth. And I ask people, What do you have planned for your wife? What do you have planned for your husband? What do you have planned for your children? We wanted three children. Should I tell them? Okay. We wanted three children. We named them David, Daniel, and we had one girl. In fact, it was David, Tamara, Stephanie, and Daniel. So, we had David. And of course, David was going with me everywhere. She was at work, wake up in the morning, I will take David in the car, drop her in the office, and I will carry David. Go back home, I will bath David. You see, I grew up learning a lot of things from my mother. I sat where my mother bathed. Give, uh, that uh, uh, washed my brothers and, and, and the others. So I know how to put the bath under my leg and put my two legs on it and put my baby on it. And I did that for my first son. And everywhere I went to, I carried him. He would be in the car, in the car seat, 
drop her in the office. If I'm coming to headquarters, I bring him to headquarters. Once I get to headquarters, whatever I want to do, I will do because somebody will take him. That's, how I, that's my son. For six months, we had no help. For six months, I did that with my son. And then when the second one was to come, she went and bought all the pink things in the world. <laughs> and then it was time to come. We were there and she pushed. And it was Daniel that came. <laughs> Tamara. So I told her that there is no Tamara. Let us stay with David and Daniel. And let's dash your, her younger sister, the name Tamara. So her younger sister's first child is a girl, and she's Tamara. Don't give birth to children you can't take care of. Don't have five. Say, in my father's house, with a born plenty. When you born the plenty, get the money to keep the plenty. So that a child will not, will not rain curses on you tomorrow. Saying that it would have been better that you didn't give birth to me. So learn to have each other's progress in mind. Very key. Number two that I want to share with us is money. Please don't put your eyes on your wife's money. Don't. My wife, as a banker then, will get her salary on a particular date. And when she comes to the house, she will bring a notebook. And she say, honey bunch, okay. I say, please keep your book. And I'll walk away. Because she just wants to tell me, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. I say, I don't want to know, it's your money. Please, wives, don't put pressure on your husband to do everything. If he doesn't have it, understand. When he has it, I'm sure he will do it. Finally. The only person that builds all things is God. And if your home must be good, great, and be the best, God must be involved. God must be involved. So always seek what God wants for your home. And when you find it, discuss it. When you discuss it, implement it, pursue it till the end. This is my belief. She talked about sex. I had a young man that said, you start from praise and worship. Before you get to opening prayer, praise and worship, before you get to the word, and before you get to the Holy Ghost coming down. So, don't go straight to prayer. Praise the name of the Lord. There is a language and there is a way. There is a process. Everything has a process. And it is different for different people. And you must understand it. And you must work it. Pray for one another. God bless you.
Halleluja. All right, how many of us have been blessed this morning by that session? Um, can we just appreciate Reverend Max and Reverend Binta once again? And um, I'll be hosting them to the Q&A session. Please, sir, you can come. Thank you very much. Good morning, mommy. Good morning, College of Bishops and all our pastors and guests in the house. Good morning, everybody. All right. All right. Um, when I got the message for this, Pastor Oche, like doing things, I, I said to myself, I said, Pastor Oche, you are giving me work, you know, and um, I, um, I mean, I'm serious, I've been taking notes, I sat down, I was taking notes because for me also it's about having to evaluate my marriage, my marriage is young, it's just, uh, we're almost eight years, so we're very young, very young, we're like toddlers, and um, so I, of course, to also try and evaluate where we are, and to draw up questions. And um, some, something came to mind when I saw Reverend and uh, Reverend Binta as we were coming up. I remembered what my wife said to me. She said, oh, wear this. I said, I don't want to be too dressed. So when I saw the two of you, I said, you know what? It's good to men listen to your wives. Don't they look good? Don't they look good? Let's celebrate them. And you know, it, they look good together. Um, Reverend, there's something I want to say. You know, when you're talking about how your mom and your dad, you know, you learn so many things from your mom and your dad. In my mind, I said right there, I said, God prepared you for Reverend Binta. That's, that's the honest truth. Because he knew the career path she was going to follow. And, you know, you were, you were right there. You know, and um, in fact, one of the very first questions I have is this issue of culture. And um, I want to take it from, I, I just quickly took a look at um, Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 22. Wives, submit, you know, we are quick to quote that scripture. Wives, submit to your husbands. Uh, you know, we don't remember the husbands, love your wives. And it didn't just say love your wives. It, just say, it says love your wives as Christ loved the church. So that aspect, you know, some people would have come and said, ah, looks like your wife has done something to you. Um, can you just shed a little more light, you know, looking at that particular scripture and um, shed a little more light on what exactly was Paul trying to communicate? And in all honesty, he did the same thing to the church in Colossae. He said it in Colossians chapter 3 as well, how we should relate and um, I'm wondering, so what exactly was God trying to communicate when he said, look, husband, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Because in, our, in the context of where we are from, it's about, look, the husband is like, is like the king. is the alpha and the, you know, small alpha and the omega. Everything revolves around him. Um, can you just, you know, in the light of your experience and what you shared, help us distill that? Okay, so there's a verse before that, that verse that says, uh, submit yourself one to another. So when we quote, we leave out the verse. We always go to um, wives, submit yourself. Husbands, love your wives. But that verse talks about submitting one to another, speaks of agreeing one with another. It, now, Chido was 
leading prayers here the other day, I talked about submission, being coming under the protective cover. And so when you submit, now when the scripture says two of you shall become one, that's my understanding. So you don't see how you don't see me. You see us together as one. That's because she has submitted to me. And the aspect of loving one another or loving her, I have placed that as a cover over her. So when you see her, look, there are things you will say, you will, questions you will ask my wife when I'm not there and she would answer what I will say. And same here. A few weeks ago, somebody who said he wanted to remarry and all of that, and he came to me, was talking about somebody that he had met and all of that. So I asked him, I said, do you know this person? You don't really know this person. So he went away, came back to me and said, oh, he's okay. So he called her. She wasn't around. And exactly what I said was what she said. And he then said to her, this is what pastor said to me. So submission is coming under a cover. It is not slavery. And it is not subjection. It is not. It is to say that I align myself with you. And when he says husbands love your wife, even as Christ loved the church, he's saying that do everything within you to ensure that that woman you are married to is okay. That's what it means. And that's my understanding. Thank you very much, sir. So it's not slavery, it's not subjection. Pastor Pinter, do you want to add to that? Okay. All right. Um, so just before I get ahead of myself, uh, we'll take questions from the congregation as well, online and on-site. So if you're here and you have a question, please um, write your questions and give to the ushers. We'll be taking questions. We're already getting questions uh, from, um, from, okay, some of the questions have come in already. So please um, write your questions and um, give to one, the ushers and, uh, so that we can take them. Um, while we collate, um, so I just want to ask this question. Pastor Peter, you said, oh, you're a goner for life. So whether Arsenal win anything, you follow. So my question to you is, what if the wife also loves football? And um, maybe the wife is a Tottenham fan or a Man City fan. You know, there's, there seems to be a horse rivalry now between City and Arsenal. <laughs> Ateta is, is trying to shake, trying yes. to feel like he can shake yes. pep up. Okay, so in that case, what do you advise? So you would ensure that it is not personal. And I have that exact situation in my home. Ah. Tega, the older son, David, is an Arsenal fan, like the rest of us, three of us. But Daniel, the younger one, is a Man U fan. Correct boy. So the day that Man U and Arsenal play, <laughs> Wahala day for my house. So what do we do? We just embrace the sportsmanship. And we understand that it is all about the game. And it's only a game. And in the game of life, some will win and some will lose. And we remind each other that, okay, not to worry, you won this time, next time it will be our turn. But don't make it personal. And that's where a lot of people make mistakes. And so when I hear phrases like irreconcilable differences, and I'm thinking, what can be so bad that you cannot work out? 
Yes, tempers may fly. Yes, you know, there will be things that might be wrong at any point in time. But just like the football match, those two coaches, the next time you see them, they're shaking they're hands, shaking right? Hands. Meanwhile, you are yet there fighting in your own house and they have moved on. So just resolve that it's nothing personal, it's life. You take the wins, you take the, you know, the, the losses as well, and you just move on until the next match. All right. Thank you okay, very much. Let me just add to it. So what you also do is, so like if a man you is playing another team that is not Arsenal, we all support the boy. Nice. Uh, that way. So if you have a husband and a wife supporting two different teams, once they are playing another team that is not your team, you join camps there and support. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you very much for that, for that, sir. Okay, so I have a question from uh, our audience here. Uh, it says, how do I get my husband to plan our resources? We make so much, but most times we hardly save. I'll take that since it's about the husband. It's to first have the conversation and to outline the pros and the cons. If I were her, I'll take an exercise book. I'll probably track what we have made all that while and be able to say, this is how much we made January, February. Just write it all out, at least the big sums that you can remember. And then you ask, what did we do with it? Numbers don't lie. And so if you can show me clear empirical evidence, you're convincing that if you just came and said, we're spending money, we're not doing, write down the numbers, show exactly what was done with or not done with it, and probably think about what could have been done with it. But it all starts with that conversation. Sit down and talk about it. And don't come demanding, this is for my sisters, don't come and say, this is what you should do, um, you know? A soft answer, turn it away, Ross. And they will kiss the lips of him that has the right answer. So find the right time. I will suggest after you have fed him his favorite food, in brain, don't reset. The weather is good. You sit down and you have the conversation. Honey Bunch, we have to talk about this. And I was just thinking, you're not even coming at, at him directly. I find that that works. I was just thinking, or I was watching a movie, whatever is the truth, and this is what I thought of. Should we try it and see? Maybe it will work, because this and this and this are the benefits. If you always show me what's in it for me, more often than not, people will buy in. It's the value add. So always say to your husband, this is what, see you, we made this much money this year. Can you imagine if we started building, we would have put up a two-bedroom. I mean, it's only a man who is not forward-looking or focused, who won't see the sense in that, will be my view. So have the conversation, but before then, pray. And I say this again, I'm not being spiritual. I've just found that prayer is the answer. Because you can't change a man. You can even go with him with the so good food, nice weather, music playing in the background, and the way he will respond to you would be negatively. But if you had prayed ahead of, ahead of time, <laughs> I read a statement that resonated with me. I was the kneeling Christian. The, the more you kneel, the higher you stand. So by the time you've knelt and submitted it to God, his own maker, who can change him and who can influence him to make the right decision for your joint good, after that, then have the conversation. You should get a positive response. 
All right. Thank you very much, Pastor Binta. I mean, you, I was going to stretch that question a bit, but you just hit the nail on the head. It's about the presentation, how and take it to God in prayers. All right. Um, okay. So just another question on this subject of money. This person is asking, um, he said, is joint account submission? Having a joint account, is it submission? Well, it's an agreement. It's a mutual agreement. It is not a submission, it's a mutual agreement. We agree to have it. It doesn't fall under any form of submission. You are not brought, you, you must have it. It's just an agreement. All right, thank you Can for I that. Can I add to that? Most you have a joint account. Okay. Most you? We don't That's have a joint account. We, we, we tried many we, times. We, we opened one, we opened that, never one that never went anywhere. <laughs> but no issues with money. So if you don't even need to have a joint account, Reverend Max is overly generous. If we have that joint account, we put the money there the next time. Money for school fees. He will tell me one drummer came and said something, something. He will give it to the drummer. Stories that touch the heart, always touching his own heart. So I said, bros, so that brotherly love will continue because everybody holds your money. So we don't have a joint account. And I don't see that as a problem. I'm still fully submitted to him. If he tells me, sit down there, my friend, I sit. But you see, my money is my money. His money is our money. All right, praise the Lord. Um, okay, you know, the thing is, I think I remember, I think it was sometime last year, mommy and daddy actually addressed this, uh, this subject of um, joint accounts. When well, daddy said it, he said we don't have. He said just like Reverend Max, daddy said, daddy too, he gives generously. But uh, when he realized that it was impacting on the, he said, he said to mommy, he said, look, mommy, you know what? Keep your accounts. I know, I actually remember that Daddy did, Daddy did, they had, it has a session like that. All right, um, the questions keep coming in. Um, I have this one on sex. And this person is asking also, is saying, is sex every day submission? Reverend, you see why I asked, the very first question I asked was this, you know, the context of how we see that scripture in Ephesians chapter five, you know, everything seems to be um, is misaligned, misguided, misinterpreted. So this person is asking, is there a sex every day submission? I think we will have a misconception when we tie everything to submission. When you begin to say everything is submission, you have that, you will be misguided and you will have that thing. Look, sex is part of marriage you guys will need to sit down and understand what you want and how you want it. And if the man wants it every day, auntie, prepare every day. Amen. Amen. So be ready every day. <laughs> Look, every day will soon turn to, please, once Correct. a week. Correct. Once a month. Mm. That's the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. So you need to have that understanding. Mm. If you want it every day, you prepare yourself. 
And if it is just like Binta said, once bam, goodbye, then you have the conversation. <laughs> and you sit down and talk about it. Oh, bros, you want it every day, but you must be ready to meet me every day. If you are not ready to meet me every day, save your energy for when you can meet me. So that's, that's basically, so it's not about submission. It's just about that mutual agreement, mutual what agreement. you want. And it can happen on the spur of the moment. So it's like that. I do that. I want to ask, what's your thoughts on um, the aspects of couples seeking therapy? If they're having challenges in the home, what's your thoughts on couples seeking therapy, you know, going for marriage counseling? And um, a second part of that question is this um, Does it have to be with a pastor? Okay, um, very good question, and it's interesting. But just last week, a couple offshore that I love to bits, fantastic couple that, um, who we have a relationship with. The husband called me, and it was the first time in seven years of marriage that they'd spoken to anybody outside of them, just the two of them. So it was a real privilege. And he was calling because he said, I said, let me tell you, before you hear, I have left. Or before you hear, I've gone crazy and you are wondering, uh -uh, a mighty man of God like this kind of thing. So had the conversation with him, had it with his wife as well. And to God be the glory, she understood, went, apologized. And she was taken aback because she said for the first time ever, so that's how come she judged the seriousness of it, that for him to make that move and speak to somebody, then it means that he hit him hard, right? Why was it necessary for him to cry out? Because he was almost going crazy with all the things that were happening and there were a myriad of issues that they were dealing with. So short answer to that question, should they seek counseling? Absolute yes. Because there are times when you don't have the answers by yourself. It's not Google. They say Google is your friend. It's not everything you find on Google. Google will not answer some marital questions or give you the right information for your particular circumstance. So help is available. Yes, find counseling. Speak to the right person. Second part of the question, must it be with a pastor? The answer is no. If the pastor is unmarried, for instance, and doesn't know diddly squat about marriage, what would he say to you? So find the right person. Your pastor is advisable when they know you and they can understand the situation or the point of view that you're speaking from. But if they're not the right person in that situation, say for instance, is the matter of abuse. The man is beating the woman and he's a leader in church. You know the lady will hesitate to come to the pastor because she won't want the pastor to know your leader is a wife beater. But there is a professional counselor who doesn't know them in that respect, but who can just give from a professional angle. And the good news is there are quite a lot of Christian counselors. I have a friend who's fantastic, Taya Aluko. She has gone back to school expressly to study and be a professional Christian counselor because she realized that there was a lacuna, that there was a gap of good Christian counselors. So find the right person. Short answer, 
Yes, seek counseling. Does he have to be your pastor? No. Let it be the right person for that particular situation and time. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Pastor, Pastor Bintap. Okay, so with that in mind, um, I was going to put this question. I had to ask that before bringing forth this question. So this question says, 14 years of marriage, um, he says his wife must submit her salary for him to manage, even though he has his own business. She has no voice in the home. Four years of no sex, many years of emotional abuse, he avoids any form of counseling that doesn't take his side. She wants to find peace and leave. What should she do? It's a serious one, but maybe this is the one we should refer to our dear big mommy. <laughs> because I mean, if I were to give an answer, my answer would be radical. Once he gets to abuse, mm. I'm not, I will never support the woman staying. Mm. Awesome. Because we've seen what has happened recently, mm. not too long ago. Mm. And we've dealt with it in the in, uh, International Women Prayer Conference mm. just before that thing happened. Oh. God spoke to us to talk about abuse and all that. And it didn't take long, it happened. Mm. The poor lady died. Mm. Once he gets the abuse, carry your luggage. Yes. Eh? Boom. <laughs> and go. Now, person where they are alive, they marry. Boom. <laughs> I have a daughter, I have a daughter uh, in the Bible school years ago. She's a pastor, and the husband is a pastor. This man continually abuses this lady. Mm. That the abuse even removed a pregnancy. And when I knew it, because she was hiding it, women, you have a, you hide a lot. Don't hide, don't hide what will kill you. This, my daughter was hiding it. But all of a sudden, they were not in, in Lagos. They were in one of the states. I went to the states. The Spirit of God said, visit them. So before we went for the conference, I just popped into their house. Come and see. This man can drink. Ogogoro, eh? And he's supposed to be a pastor. Pastor musician. So I, I, I looked at the, 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 I said, what's all this uh, bottle about? He says, my husband. I said, and you're still here. Mm. One day he will kill you. Mm. All I will do is to come to your funeral. He said, mama, you are not even talking. One day he has cho choked me. As I was sleeping, he came on me and he held my neck. Today, today, the lady is a leader in their country. Very wonderful woman of God. Serving God is, is a senior pastor in, in their church. But unfortunately, the guy died. 
because she had to go back to their country. I said, what are you doing here, Nigeria? Carry your luggage, you carry everything. The baby she was even supposed to, to have, the woman, the man uh, uh, removed it. So what are you still doing here? When it comes to abuse, hear me and hear me good. Yes. Don't stay there and yes. die. Thank you, Victor. Thank Mommy. you very much, Mommy. Pastor <laughs> Binza, did you get the kind of radical answer you probably would have proposed? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, so I have another question. Um, I know that sometimes uh, money and sex causes a lot of problem in marriage. So here is this question. It says, what would you advise when the spouse does not contribute to upkeep, married for 15 years, I am responsible for my children, uh, for myself and children, five years no sex, pastors have tried to intervene or he avoids them. First of all, there's a consideration for the children that are involved. And if you can take care of your children, you must focus on taking care of your children. And at some point, um, you may need to begin to pray for him or find who he listens to. He may not be a pastor. But there must be somebody that talks to him and he listens. And so there will be a need to look for that person so that that person can intervene. I know that there are some people that once you go and tell the pastor that my husband is this, that's the end of the church for the man. He's not his business. He won't come again and all of that. But there are people he will not stop listening to. And you must find who those people are and they can influence him to change. But whilst you are on that, please take care of yourself and don't allow what is going on be a weight on you such that you are no longer thinking straight and is affecting your children and all of that. So take care of yourself but find somebody. All right. Thank you, sir. Um, this question is tricky, very tricky. I'll also come back to some one or two other questions on finance and resource. Um, it says, can a single lady advanced in age go for IVF just because she's not married? If no, why are leaders in the church encouraging it? So I reckon the situation is this. You have a church member who is not married, she's not married, but she wants to have children, and she decides to go for um, IVF, maybe get sperm from the sperm bank to have, to have kids. Um, is it right? Uh, I mean, you have people that are doing it. It's, it's now like it's, it's getting common right now. So is it right? And if she's saying that if it's not right, why are leaders of the church uh, encouraging it? I probably will refer this to Big Mommy again. However, I will just say that short answer, I would say no. And I would advocate that rather than IVF, there is the adoption. Go the adoption route. Because when you think IVF, there's implantation. There's insemination. And it is someone's sperm, however you slice it or dice it. Yes, it's a donor you don't even know. For all you know, save now madman donates that 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 do you understand? So you just go through a process that I think is not 
I would advise that there are other methods. I wouldn't say it's not biblically right, but I'm just saying that there are other methods. And if you, it was within marriage and it was a process to get in it while you were with your husband, it's a different thing. But a young lady, total sperm donor, unknown, you do it just because you want a child, there are other ways. This will be my personal view. I know I'm conservative, I'm very conserved, I'm not woke in any way, but I like to do it by the book, the good old book. But I, I, I like Big Mommy no, to please stay us right. Sweetheart, you've answered it correctly. You are very correct. Rather go for adoption. Don't go, don't, don't go that route. Whose sperm do you know it is? What will you explain to other Christians? So I think you should go for adoption. It's okay. Have to have a child, but don't go that way. That way is not right. Thank you, Mama. And, and just to say that that child will grow up and ask you, who is my father? Who is my father? And you will tell that child that your father is dead. That, because that's, that's going to be the answer. And, that's, and so you have laid a foundation that is wrong for that child because you just told the child a lie. All right, thank you very much. Okay, Reverend, I want to point uh, this question to you. You know, you talked about the fact that before you got married, you already had um, a 10-year, you saw your wife 10 years from now. After that, you developed another five years and also the children. So what's your take on the subject of developing a vision for the family? How critical is it to, for every family, I mean, for, it, for, their, for families to have, you know, family vision, family goals, and the likes? Very important. Um, you will notice that when you were growing up, your father would say, I want you to be a, an engineer or a doctor. That was what he was thinking. That's like having a vision. And so you must have a vision for your family. What kind? That's why you know I talked about defining your home. You must define your home. What kind of home do I want to have? What vision do I have for my home? And critical to it is to understand the kind of wife you are marrying or husband you are marrying. Is your wife a career person? So the vision you want to drive will have to include her and include yourself. Are you a business person? Do you want to transit from being a career person into business and all of those things? So you draw up that vision and you can't draw up the vision in isolation. The vision must be something that you both agree on. You have it, but you bring it to the table and things can be added and can be, there can be an improvement on it. And when I started looking at her and seeing her that way, it was because of her career path. And I started looking in that direction. Oh, I see you at the top of this one day. I see you at the top of this one day. And that's the way it is. So you have the vision. Have the goals. And goals are long-term goals that, you know, you, 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 you accomplish stage by stage, step by step, and all of that. And great. All right, sir. So thank you very much. If I may just add to that, in crafting the vision, I'd like to refer the man of the house and the woman to Colossians chapter 3. Um, from verse 9 to 19, the message translation. 
it says some pretty profound things that if you have it as part of your family vision and family culture and how you relate with one another, it will just blow your mind. If the media would help us, okay, so maybe just start from nine. Colossians 3 from nine. From nine. If you just permit us, it's just because it's so profound what it says that I think it's important that we get it. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you stripped off and put in the fire. Please go on. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish, non-Jewish, religious, irreligious, insider, outsider, uncivilized, uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. I'm looking for a particular. So choosing by God for this new life of love. Whatever you do, do it in love. And that's why we're saying that love can be enough with Jesus. Dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. And this is where I'm going. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. If you apply these five things in these conversations, in crafting your vision, in how you deal with one another, it would amaze you how much further you would go. A question I ask myself all the time before I even make a decision is what will Jesus do? WWJD. It's something that rings and I keep at the forefront of my mind. What will Jesus do if he was in my position? Max has just annoyed me. I don't provoke, I vex that day. My initial inclination is to pick up the phone if we're not together and warn him. Honey bunch, with all due respect, it takes five years, senior me. So when I'm provoked, I'm still careful. He's my pastor and he's still senior me with five years. So I say with all due respect, with all due respect, what you did was wrong. I, I'm still careful because there's compassion, there's kindness, there's quietness. It's all of those things. If we keep it at the forefront of our minds, it will tamper the way we relate with one another and it will save so many situations. I just thought to add that. And families, please read that later on. Colossians 3 from 9 to 19. The message translation in particular, it brings it home for me. It will save us a lot and take so many challenges out of the way. Forgive me, but that was just laid on my heart to share. Thank you very much. I mean, the way you helped us to cap it up was, was profound. Thank you very much. So even me, I'm already thinking in my head, okay, so how do we craft this family vision? Compassion, love, discipline. All right. Um, all right. Um, we still have some more questions. All right. So this person is saying, how do we handle a husband that prefers his sister's mother and brother to his wife? He sends money to his mother, is not contributing to paying school fees and house rent. Uh, should I answer? <laughs> He's totally out of order. How do you handle it? You have the conversation. Who does that? And I say this with every sense of responsibility, but ladies and gentlemen, our daddies, our mommies, our pastors and our leaders, the order of things in family is God first. 
And when we say God first, we're talking about your relationship with God. Second is your spouse, husband or wife. Takes next position. After that, your children. And may I submit, men of God, with all due respect, that your work for God ministry comes number four. I know I'm shaking some tables here. God first, your relationship with God, that koinonia, that intimacy, your work with God as a Christian, then your spouse, then your children, before even the work of God, before your extended family. So where do you put sisters and siblings and parents ahead of your wife or your husband or your children? It's an aberration and it's an absolute no-no. We need to sit down and have the conversation with that man and let him know. He just needs a brain reset. Make we help him reset him. Make we tell him the right order. And then afterwards, if he persists in that tomfoolery, because that's what it is, uh, the options are there. We will review the options. All right. Thank you very much, Pastor Benta. You were very firm on that. It looks like that thing, he touched it to your marrow. <laughs> okay. So, there are this question. I'm going to read two questions um, together. This has to do with communication. Um, um, one says, what do you as a wife, what do you do as a wife when your husband does not listen to you? Um, the second person says, in a situation where the husband stops having sex with the wife for three years and the husband refused to talk about it even when the wife asks what i mean what the problem is so i, I believe this fall both fall under communication communication challenge sorry so the first thing about the husband refusing to have sex um yes talk about it understand why is it poor hygiene that is turning him off? It could be. Women, let's be honest. Or are you the type that will come and say, I, I have a friend who said his wife will only allow him into the other room when he has done something that she wants. So are you using it as a bargaining chip? It's enough to turn the man off. Um, is it the fact that you are unresponsive you just lie there like a log of wood, which some men also don't like. But all of this can be dealt by communication and by counseling if required. It's for people to understand the benefits and why you should do it, even the emotional and mental well-being of the woman and the man. And even now medically, they tell us that men need it, at least married men who have the license to do it, they need it because more and more, prostate cancer is being traced, some part of it, to a lack of that activity. So it's in your best interest as a man to be getting it regularly from your wife. So if there's anything stopping it, a mind block, a physical block, something that's wrong, please have the conversation and do yourself a favor and get the help that you need. If you can't get it up, and I hope there are no children in the room. There are natural aphrosidiacs, apparently, that you can use that might help you. 
For men, a little tip as well, apparently, is that too much sugar is not good for your libido. So if you are eating too much sugar, cut it out. That might help. But there must be a reason why all of a sudden he's gone off you or doesn't want it. And if there's another woman out there, ah, 12 midnight prayers, you will have to deal it on your knees. It might be a spiritual response that is required. But sometimes you find that these are things that are easily dealt with just having the conversation or having the counseling. There was a second part to that question. Um, the the um, husband doesn't listen to her. Doesn't listen. Ah, that's a serious problem. So for those who aren't married yet, please make sure the man or woman you want to marry listens. It's critical. Someone who doesn't lose, listen to anybody is a loose cannon. And you shouldn't even be thinking of spending the rest of your life with that person. But find someone who he listens to, like Reverend Martin. There must be someone. But pray, and God will speak to him. I think Reverend wants to add something. Well, I just wanted to say that there must be a reason. Why doesn't he listen to her? What had transpired before then? Okay. What had happened? What was the mode of communication okay. before that time? Has there been successive... Um, um, wrong way of communicating and the guy comes to a point and says look I know what you are going to say now so what's the point mm. so then you have to dig deep to find out the why it's the not why. just enough to say he doesn't listen why is he not listening why is he not listening mm. until you can sometimes most times we we tend to point to others but we're not looking at ourselves and saying to ourselves oh there must be something I'm not doing okay here mm. something I'm not doing right that I need to get right before I can communicate. Sure. What's the mode of communication? You come to me and you're saying, my friend, you're not listening to me, you're not listening to me. I'm not ready to listen to you. Mm -hmm. There's a way you communicate that I will listen to you. I will sit down and have that conversation and we'll be okay. But when you come to think that your way or the highway is only how what you think that is right, mm -hmm. that is right, you stop me from listening to you. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. All right, um, I'm going to close with two questions. Uh, the first one, this person is saying that um, his wife overdoes things. She likes to just spend on things. And he says, my wife is a manager. Okay, she said, okay, my wife overdoes things. My wife is a manager of resources. But I'm a type who does not like calculating my expenses. And sometimes I forget how I expend. He said, my question is, how do I control my wife not to be controlling about my finances how, how is it that you spend without calculating then you finish the money without knowing so there has to be a system of knowing and what are you spending on is, this, is it necessary so you don't say oh my wife Look, women like to manage this. I told you my wife will bring the book. This is how much I got. I'm giving this to this person. So they are expecting you to come to, to say, okay, this is it. So you don't just go spend money and say, I, don't, I, I, I didn't know. Because if you don't know what you spend, you will not be able to budget for what you need. And so you just spend the money anyhow. No, it's not. It's no. You have to. You have to find a way of allowing good managers to do their work. 
And I just want to add that the wife is just being a helpmate. She's not trying to control. I'm sure if you find out and get some color around the context, it will be that he probably has a large heart too and he's always giving. And so she's just trying to ensure that you take care of what's most important, which might be family or something first before you just, you know, you're just prodigal with your spending. But let him have that perception or review or change the perception of her as trying to control him. But the wife too should also do it in a nice way so that she, he, it will be obvious to him that she's only trying to help him. I hope that will help their situation. A change of perception can make a world of difference. What you people answered is the right answer. Yes, ma'am. Uh, we had an issue some time ago. The wife, you see, if you look at that wife, she's your manager. She's helping you. The man is a spender. Uh -huh. Anything that comes, spends. <laughs> Anything that comes, spends. So the lady came to me and said, Mommy, what do I do? I said, you know what? Your additional income, channel it to a bank. For now. After a while, house rent came in. They couldn't pay house rent. And the man does not have the money. And the landlord said they must move out the, the house. He gave them one week. What saved them was the savings the woman was doing. Wow. So the woman had to tell him, hmm. I had this money. Ma Mama told me to be keeping this money in this bank. Because the whole house, including himself, the wife, the children would have been outside. Hmm. So clap for those women that are helping you. They are just helping you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mommy. Um, Reverend Joe, just an addition to that. Can we also say that it's not all times that the women are the good manager of resources? Oh, certainly. Okay. There are some women that are worse than the men. <laughs> they see this bag today, they buy it. They have not used it. They see the other one, they buy. So. All right. <laughs> so the final question uh, before we get uh, passing shots. Um, so this person is saying, how do I handle, um, okay, my wife said, if he wants to do something for his family, his wife doesn't support, that does he still go and do it without, without her support? Should he still go ahead? He wants to do something for his, his family members, but the wife doesn't support it, he's not in support of it, should he still go ahead? I'll let Reverend Max answer that from the man's perspective, but I would just want to caution my sister to say, you cannot not support it. It's his family. It was the family he was born into. He also has an obligation to them. It's a different thing if it's, oh, he can't afford it, or we are also in need, and he's putting them ahead of us. But that he's able to afford it, and there's a need for it, and you're trying to stop him. You do yourself a disservice, because he'll begin to dislike you. And that's the truth, the dislike will come in. And then he will still go ahead probably and do it. If I were the man, it's my money, it's my family. You can do your worst and he'll go ahead and do it. But you've lost him and you've lost an opportunity for transparency, for integrity and just that trust. So it's to also, I always say this, have the conversation. 
explain why you think he shouldn't do it. If it makes sense, the man might listen. But to just stand and say, because I'm your wife, I say you will not do it, are you not doing? Fa, fa, fa. Reverend Max? You have answered. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our time is up. Uh, can we just celebrate uh, Reverend Max and Reverend, Reverend Beta? Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right, thank you very much. My time is up. blessing be with you now and forever. For counseling, email trem at tremusa.org. Remain blessed.